I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Championship is back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Brian Dilks, and I'm joined by the Premier League to my championship. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. How are you, good sir? I'm much better knowing that we have football back, finally. Football is back. It's back in our lives. It's back where it belongs, on our TV screens, in our lives. I'm so excited to be actually talking about football again, Justin. It's a normal podcast for once. I know. I, I was doing my notes and I was like, one, how do I even do these notes? I completely <laughs> forgot how to, how to do them. And I was like, oh, actually, this is very time consuming. It is time consuming, but yeah. I love it so much. Yes, I just absolutely. enjoyed watching action that's happening again and just being able to talk about it. It just feels like such a relief. Anyway, we are back to a normal podcast, but it's not the new normal. This is the old normal. We're going to go through all this weekend's action. We'll have a bit of news. The polls, the polls are back, people. You're excited, Justin? Uh, beyond excited. Beyond excited. I can tell in your voice. Absolutely. And then we'll have a good old-fashioned Craig Bryson pub quiz. And we'll finish off by announcing the winner of our competition with classicfootballshirts.co.uk. Hundreds of you have entered on Twitter. And we'll reveal who's getting that £50 right at the end of the show. But first off, a big thank you to everyone who stuck with us during the last few weeks. It's been tough. And we, we've, it's been tough for everyone, hasn't it, really? And yeah. it's been equally as a tough for us. So we wanted to keep giving you guys quality content. We tried our best to supply that. And that's even though there wasn't much going on. But we're thankful now that we can finally talk to you about a weekend of action. And what a weekend of action it was, Justin. We'll start off with the game that happened this Sunday afternoon. Leeds losing 2-0 to Cardiff. Where do we start off? with unravelling this bugger, Justin. I mean, Leeds, dominating possession, yeah. creates an abundance of chances, but can't score. Some things <laughs> never change. No, it's, it's like there's not been a lockdown. Um, mm. It's, yeah, it's the same old story for Leeds. Um, and they were, they were very, very blunt, to be honest with you. Very, very blunt. Um, yeah. You know, Bamford had four touches in the box, for, uh, as an example. Costa only had seven in the box. You know, they were just not, potent at all going forward. Mm, it was a very concerning performance from Leeds and we all know what happened last season. I'm not hinting towards that <laughs> happening again yet, Ooh. yet, but there were so many poor performances in this game which made me very concerned. Jack Harrison had one of the worst games I've seen from a winger this season. Mm-hmm. He was awful. Everything yeah. he seemed to do seemed to go wrong. Bamford, as you mentioned there, was fairly anonymous throughout apart from when it came to blocking his own player's shot yeah it, which was well, very funny one of his touches that one didn't actually count and obviously it was offside so that's yeah. four touches five including the one where he blocked the shot yeah and calvin phillips on we praise quite a lot he didn't have a great game either in fact no. it's probably one of his poorest games so yeah. far in a lead shirt overall it was just a really bad performance from leeds wasn't it no absolutely as you say it's those there, there was a lot of errors in the lead side um which we're not used to seeing. Um, obviously, Calvin Phillips gave the first goal away with a poor pass. Um, Liam Cooper gave the second goal away again with a, with a stray pass. Um, but they are—they were easy mistakes to rectify. They weren't being carved open. It was individual error that let them down, which is a positive in this defeat. But as you say, it is a poor is a poor defeat. But you can't. You can't criticise Leeds too much, you know. They're a team that relies a lot on high energy levels. The amount of games or the amount of players I saw um, completely blowing after like half an hour over the weekend. There's quite a few, um, you know, you do have to sort of give them that as a bit of an excuse, but not too bad. But it is poor, but 
justifiably poor to some extent. It was very poor. And I am concerned. I'm not not saying they're not <laughs> going to get promoted just yet, but I'm still concerned <clears throat> nonetheless. Uh, they were for- fortunate, though. That results mostly went their way elsewhere. Not a great start, though, when it comes to easing the nerves. Um, but I, I see your point about the fitness levels because they do rely on that quite a lot, don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, the lack of match fitness will not have helped with that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But Cardiff, superb result from them. In fact, Leeds fans won't like me saying this, but I thought the game plan from Neil Harris was absolutely spot on and it, it deserves good. a lot of credit. No, yeah. definitely. They, they set a lot of traps for Leeds and Leeds fell into them a little bit. Obviously, the, the mistakes were, were poor, but almost... As I say, Cardiff set traps for him, and then and they, they pounced on him. But you know, make no mistake, Cardiff were brilliant um, from from Alex Smithers right up to um, Callum Patterson, and obviously Robert Glassell when he came on as well. The whole team was 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 brilliant. Back four was sublime. Um, Sanderson, Morrison, Nelson, and Bennett. Nelson headed everything. Morrison was his usual competent defender, and, and I really really liked um, Sanderson at right back. I've replaced him before the the break, uh, the break, the lockdown. Um, and I'm glad that he's come into some form again um, against against a very good side. Yeah, I thought every Cardiff player deserved a pat on Absolutely. the back for that performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leeds obviously did create chances. They had that one chance from Tyler Roberts, but Alex Smithy's pulling off an unbelievable save. What oh. One of the saves of the season. I tell you what, I probably saw three or four contenders a save of the season this weekend. Yeah. There was a lot yeah. of good goalkeeping. The keepers were on form this weekend, yeah. but this Smithy's one. And it was a crucial time as well because Leeds were just getting into the game and seemed to really have Cardiff by the scruff of the neck. But Smithy's out of nowhere when it looked like Tyler Roberts was just there to just place it in the back of the net. Superb. Mm -hmm. We even got a goal from big Robbie Glatzel up front. Only his fifth one of the season, but it was a glimmer of the quality that he has because we haven't really seen it that much this season, have we? No, but obviously we... I think I can't remember when we mentioned it now. It might have been last week, to be fair, but... We said that Cardiff, one of the issues with Cardiff is not having a, a goal scorer all season. Um, there's quite a few players on seven, six, five goals. Obviously, Glasgow falls into that category. But you saw the quality of his finish um, on the half volley um, and get the keeper no chance, really. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see if he does eventually live up to the billing that he was given when he first moved to the championship. Cardiff are now only outside the top six on goal difference. Do we need to give them a bit more credit? I think so. Yeah, they are. They are a good side. I think the only reason why we hum and are about them is because that that lack of goal scorer. But when you look at teams like Bristol City, Preston, Millwall, um, Derby, not necessarily Blackburn, because we've got um, Adam Armstrong. But those teams there, they they lack a consistent goal scorer in those sides. Um, and obviously, Cardiff is safe all into that category. That's probably the only reason why we're a bit unsure about them but then we're unsure about how many teams competing for that sixth place mm. you can fault every single side exactly there, really, can't exactly. you with Cardiff I just feel like they lack a bit of cutting edge but I mean that performance was superb we'll have to see how mm-hmm. they do in the other games um, but we'll wait and see won't we uh, superb tributes to Peter Whittingham as well really yeah. well nice yeah. really nice that was from a Cardiff right let's move on to the game at Craven Cottage and a massive game it was as well between Fulham and Brentford but it was the Bees who came out on top with two late goals it means more to Fulham than Brentford because it was a real chance for the Cottages to catch up with the top two but yeah. Fulham were really quite average here weren't they I don't think they were that bad I think it was a typical performance after a long time away but they had chances to to get goals obviously they hit the bar Mitrovic um, had a chance to did for one of the one uh, goal that was ruled out but they had chances you know they weren't that bad Brentford I, just, they had a bit more of a cutting edge Brentford did I disagree I thought Fulham were very very average going forward I, I thought they lacked any imagination creativity just was lacking and when you consider the talent that's there, it's something we keep saying again and again, but they should be doing a lot better. I know Brentford are a very good side defensively, but Fulham are meant to be the best of the rest. Mm-hmm. And they looked so, so average. I'm trying to think, who finished third last season? Was it Leeds or, or West Brom? It was Leeds, wasn't it? Well, you compare this, that, that Leeds side to this Fulham side, for example. How critical have we been for this Fulham side this season, you know, if you go back to last season, if we were doing the podcast last season, 
I don't think we'd have been anywhere near as critical as Leeds. We'd have been oozing over Leeds last season. That's the difference in standards, I think, between those two sides, or, or a side that should be aiming for the automatics. We've criticised Fulham a, a lot this season. That The main reason is because they've lacked a cutting edge. They've lacked a bit of pizzazz they've had um, in previous seasons. Um, they don't look like a side who should be finishing third. They should be doing so much better. Mm. I feel like you've got to point the figures at Scott Parker again here because <laughs> this was this was a crucial game for Fulham in the race to try and catch up with Leeds and West Brom and they looked like they didn't have any game plan whatsoever and kind of just rolled over in the end. I know Brentford only grabbed the goals right at the end but up until that point I don't think Fulham deserved the win at any point really. Uh, they were quite fortunate that West Brom failed to beat Birmingham but I've got very little faith in Fulham catching up with the top two, especially with performances like that. No, definitely. You make a good point about game plans is, you know, a lot of sides who play this type of football don't necessarily have a plan B. Fulham have a very good plan B in in Mitrovic. They don't use it nearly as much as they should. Um, but Mitrovic is he's arguably the best number nine in the league. Oh, in fact, there's no argument for me. How many one-touch finishes has he scored this season alone? Exactly, and but they don't play not, to his strength. Well, exactly, they, he's, he's barely had a service all season. No. Um, and when he has, he's, he's scored or created an opportunity for himself. There's their plan B, but they, just, they don't use it enough. Um, uh, it's, I think it's an important point to make, and obviously you highlighted Scott Parker's um, weakness in that sense. Yeah, but Nokia Cavalero, we, we've said it plenty of times before. You've got these players who at championship level are unbelievable, but yeah. you're not playing to their strengths. And you've got the likes of Kearney and Reed as well, who look to be really struggling. It, well, they did look like they were struggling yesterday. They I were fairly Reed, anonymous. I thought Reed did very well yesterday, to be honest with you. I, oh, I sorry. It was Harrison fairly Reed. anonymous. Harrison Reed, not Harrison Reed. Reed. No, yeah. Bobby Reed is the one yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Harrison, Harrison Reed, Reed did play was well. Very, very good. But he's always going to play well, considering the standard of play where they're just playing, knocking it about between the back three. But there you go. Uh, Mitrovic's hair is the final point I wanted to make. Looked very weird, didn't it? <laughs> it, it looks like it's not that long, but I, I, it, it, it is long. Clearly. It is, it's very long. It's the longest I've ever seen it. And he looks very weird with hair. <laughs> yeah, he needs a haircut. He could just do it himself. He has like a number three all over. Yeah, I don't know why he's just not got the clippers out and just weird. Anyway, Brentford, they weren't exactly at their barnstorming best themselves, but uh, they were quite fortunate that Fulham was so incapable of breaking them down. But it's still a massive three points for them, isn't it? No, definitely. And, you know, it was nice to see um, Fosu, for example, come in and play quite well. Or Condes as well. We were critical of him before the lockdown period. but again, he came on and he changed the game for Brentford. He did. Um, and that is, well, it's a, it's a great substitution from Franks, to be honest with you. Because again, as I say, we I've seen Marcondes underwhelm more than he's sort of got me off my seat. Um, mm. But yesterday, he, he did that. He got me off his seat. He was, he was very good when he came on. He obviously provided the goal and scored. Eight points off. off the top two now, Justin. Can they do it? It's the hope that kills you. <laughs> it is. I like your optimism. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, consolidate your place in the playoffs and then with five, four or five games to go, see where you are. If there's a... Because you might get to the last game and you're a point off and then you lose or draw the final game of the season and it drains all confidence out of you and it's like you don't go into the playoffs with any sort of optimism or form at that point. That's a very glass half empty. I know, just be average (laughs) for the rest of the season and you'll be fine. (laughs) Solid advice there from Justin. (laughs) Uh, They've got West Brom next week though. And game. after that, it's a decent run of games. So imagine if they beat West Brom. Yeah, but like I said, be average and you won't be, be disappointed average. at the end of the season. <laughs> right, West Brom v Birmingham. Ended goalless in a very unremarkable game yeah. that I completely regret watching. Um, but Simon Bilic said he was happy with the effort. They just lacked in the final third. Fair assessment? No, definitely. And it's, it's a good result considering Leeds lost, uh, Fulham lost. Um, they've got a clean is it a good sheet. result? I mean, is it you, a good result? You, got, you get a clean sheet. It's a game against a rival um, in Birmingham City, um, but it's one they should be winning. Oh, yeah, they? I know, but you can't expect too much. Like I had no expectation going into this round of games, mainly because you don't want to lose that first game back. You know, it's almost like your first game of the season again. You don't want to lose it because it almost sets a bad precedent for you going ahead. So 
still still very glass half empty justin it is it's the business end of the season you have to you have to manage uh, you have to manage it game by game and getting a nil nil draw after 12 weeks away from football with no match fitness isn't a bad result and then you 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 bring in the fact that Leeds lost and Fulham lost come on that's the that's the only saving grace here that it's a point gained on the two teams exactly. around them. But apart from that, they should be winning a game like that. But I, I can see what you mean. Um, again, that game against Brentford next week is going to be so massive, so so massive. It's going to be an entertaining game as well to watch. Uh, from the Birmingham perspective, though, they looked fairly solid against a very talented West Brom side, didn't they? No, definitely. And, you know, one of the issues with Birmingham is is keeping clean sheets this season. So, you know, it's a, it's a bonus for them. Mm. Um, as an example, Lukas Jukovic was one of the ones that I saw was absolutely blowing after half an hour. <laughs> um, well, Birmingham really, knackered. Birmingham as a whole, they didn't create too much in this game, did they? Um, they really struggled <clears> to create <throat> anything. But I think... Um, the positive side for Birmingham is that it eases any slim fears of them getting dragged into a relegation battle, doesn't it? No, and they are they are a good side on the day. They are a very competent side. It's just they they struggled to get any consistency of form going this season, which has ultimately let them down in terms of competing for a top half finish. So yeah, it's something to build. And obviously, they've got a new manager coming in at the end of the season. Obviously, with Quintet leaving, so just build towards the that. Yeah, just see out yeah. the season. Right, let's go from the promotion race to the relegation battle. In one of the biggest games of the season, Justin Charlton beat Hull 1-0 after an early goal from Jason Pearce. It was a battle between two of the teams we think are the prime candidates to go down. Whichever team lost, it would leave them in a fair bit of trouble. And now Hull are in a fair bit of trouble. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, they carried on where they left off really, didn't they? One thing that I want to point out is Geordie Weiss, the centre-half, had more shots than Tom Eves, their striker. Um, okay Tommy's doesn't really get much of a service uh, as you know there's a lack of quality behind him now without any good wingers at the at the club Um, it's just a lack of quality in this whole squad exactly and there's a lack of quality from him he had 18 touches Um, he was barely involved in the game he played the full 90 surely there's kids well, the, they've got Keen the Lewis squad. Potter, haven't they? Who has been given a few chances this season. Surely at this point, that's all you can do because the squad as a whole is just so lacking. And obviously this result is terrible from a Hull perspective. But what's even more concerning is how poor Hull were in this game as a whole. Yeah. I mean, they're playing against a team who prior to the game were their main relegation rivals. But not only that, they're playing against one of the teams who are the worst in the league defensively. And they barely yeah. created anything. They, mm-hmm. they were awful, Justin. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. No, and now it's... that's two points from a possible 39. <laughs> two from 39. Where do you even start with that? It's a threadbare squad, lacking quality. And now it's even more so after the news that Lehigh, Kingsley, Madison, Irvine and Wilkes won't be playing for them again. Well, Wilkes is going to play one more game before his loan spell is cut short. I'm struggling to see how they avoid relegation at this point. I I will be honest with you. We'll, we'll touch on Barnsley when we get to them. Um, but I I can't see a way out for Hull. I can't. Yeah. You know, as you said, you pointed out it's it's a, it's a really important point that they've played against one of the worst sides defensively, and they've not done anything. The striker, their number nine, had 18 touches of the ball. There's no service into him. There's a lack of quality from him anyway. McCann has to, there has to be some blame now pointing at McCann because he needs to change it up. He has to do something different. I don't know I, what yeah. I don't know what it can be, but he has to do something different. I know he's had his, the, the rope pulled from under his feet, but you have to adapt. You have to adapt. Um, and he hasn't. I, I do feel sorry for him because yeah. he has been dealt a bum hand at this point. And he does deserve some blame, but the lack of quality in this squad now, there doesn't seem to be as much hunger as the fans would want. The only saving grace here is that he's very clustered around the bottom. A win will do wonders, but I can't see them winning, winning a game at the moment. And I wouldn't be surprised. I know you were going to mention Barnsley a second ago. I, I imagine you're going to say the same thing. It wouldn't surprise me if Barnsley leapfrogged them <laughs> because at the moment I'm more optimistic about them staying up than I am Hull. Yeah, we'll, we'll get more well, we as well get on to them now I imagine actually we'll get on to Charlton first because this is a magnificent result for them it's seen them jump from 22nd to 19th 
but still only a points off the bottom three. Uh, it's a positive sign, though, that they do have enough to stay up because they created quite a few chances in this game, didn't they? Yeah, just lacking a striker, I imagine, to put them away. I wonder who <laughs> they could possibly have. Yeah, uh, But yeah, it's a, it's a really good performance from Charlton, wasn't it? No, and one of the things, obviously, we've mentioned several times already, they're not very good defensively, so a clean sheet is massive. Um, and yeah, it's they, 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 they lined up slightly differently. They went with a 4-4-2, which is uh, almost a bit more attacking than they have done. In, in previous um, mm. months in the season, um, but they looked a lot more defensively sound. I don't know if it's whether that's because they come up against a whole side that are absolute tripe. Mm. They might, it might play a factor into it, yeah. but <laughs> it, it was an encouraging performance uh, from the Charlton side of things. And a couple of wins might be enough at the end of the day because Hull and Borough are looking so bad at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, so scary. bad. Let's talk about Borough. Uh, they were thumped 3-0 by Swansea. Rian Brewster grabbing two for the visitors. It's a result that reminds us how much of a state Middlesbrough are in at the moment. And it is awful. one hell of a state, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, no, they they looked awful. Didn't look like scoring. One shot on target again. Um, on paper, they shouldn't be in as much trouble. They're in. Their squad isn't terrible. You know, they haven't... They're not like a Hull or a Charlton um, or a Luton for example yeah yeah um, they they have a fairly reasonable squad a competent squad that should be doing a lot better than they are um, yeah well that's what we said last week isn't it we thought Middlesbrough might be all right because their squad has more quality in it than your likes of Hall Charlton Luton for example but the starting 11 yesterday raised oh, a few quite, raised yeah, an eyebrow I'm, I'm for me I'm so glad you mentioned this yeah <laughs> so to start off with, in goal, they had Stojanovic playing instead of Ainsley Piers. Yeah. Interesting decision. Mm-hmm. Rudy Destead started only his fifth game of the season yeah. when they had the likes of Ashley Fletcher and Britta Somalonga on the bench. Jed Spence, Marcus Tavernier. Ashley Fletcher's been their best striker all season. Yeah, easily. Jed Spence, Marcus Tavernier, Patrick Roberts, all on the bench as well. I suppose the argument would be some of those players are out of contract. But... It's a weird to have a bench that strong mm-hmm. when you go on to lose 3-0. It's quite impressive that Jonathan Budgate has managed to instantly put all the pressure back on himself because this, support, this performance done that was abysmal. <laughs> he has, in fairness. He's done a really good job of really digging himself a hole. Yeah. <laughs> but one, one point I will make before we move on. Um, they're obviously, they've, they've, created the, like they've had the 10th most amount of shots on target in the league. Um, but the 21st for goals scored, which is poor. They've got one of the most ruthless strikers in Premier League history in Robbie Keane as a coach. What's happening? (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) It was cataclysmically bad for Borough yesterday. They... It was one of the the worst performances they've put in all season, and that is saying something. Um, What on earth Jonathan Mudgate was thinking with that starting eleven, I have no idea. And I, he has I, got he's got his work cut out for the rest of the season. I'd I'd have loved to have seen the Borough fans reaction um seeing that starting eleven. I'd if you want it. to just go on Twitter, look like, at the replies to the starting eleven being announced. It's super I I feel they, sorry they have Borough lost fans. their heads. The, the yeah. Borough fans have lost their heads because Jonathan Mudgate is doing a great job of seemingly destroying his own reputation at the club. Mm. <laughs> Un- unbelievable. Uh, Swansea, though, very impressive performance there from them. Obviously, Borough weren't up to scratch, yeah. but they looked incredibly dangerous throughout this whole game. Very, very efficient. And, they, they, you know, what's, what's better is they did it all in the first half an hour. So you then got the next hour to just take your foot off the gas and cruise, really. What a, yeah. what a perfect opening game. Um, after a long layoff, they don't yeah, have to save do any- your energy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Considering how poor Swansea were prior to lockdown, judging from this weekend, they look to have been the biggest beneficiaries of the break so far, don't they? Considering how well they played here. Yeah, well, we said, you know, we we're saying, we we're alluding to it last week, sorry, um, how for some teams, obviously, the break coming, the lockdown coming was bad timing for them, good timing for others. Um, for Swansea here in the home for a playoff place. It was obviously good timing and they've come back um, as dangerous as they started the season, if you will. Yeah, and Rian Brewster getting two of the goals. Mm -hmm. Could he finally be living up to his potential? No, definitely. You know, his his return's been pretty good this season. You know, he's he's been playing in a side that's had 
been low on confidence, been fairly poor uh, in spells. Um, but you saw yesterday that how, how good Swansea can be and, you know, a striker will feed off a good side. Yeah. Um, so Bruce well, has definitely done that. Let's move on to the Cayenne Prince Foundation Stadium where there was a shock, Justin, as Barnsley managed a 1-0 win over QPR. There's still a bit of life in Gerhard Struber's boys yet. I mean, in a game, you in any game in the league uh, this weekend, one you'd expect to finish 6-6 would have been this one. And it was <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, well, <laughs> Barnsley and QPR are two of the worst teams in the league when it comes to defence. And they're both very good going forwards. Mm-hmm. 1-0 win, all right, that'll do. But looking at the game, it was a bit of a surprising lineup from Gerhard Struber. Connor Chaplin was on the bench, yeah. and that meant he picked a young Elliot Simos, uh, up front while Romal Palmer played his first ever senior game. But the gamble seemed to work because Samos scored the only goal of the game and it was a fairly even contest as a whole, wasn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. It um, was a bit of a surprise, but I know a lot of players will be coming into this start of the second half of the season. I don't know. Start of the post-lockdown season um, at different levels of fitness. So... That might play. That might play into the selections, especially in the first game. Um, but you know, when you compare the squads, quite a fair bit of an experience in the Barnsley side compared to the QPR side, which was almost full of it. Mm. Well, the win leaves leaves a Barnsley four points from safety, and I think I've said this before. But if Barnsley stay up, then it'll be the biggest achievement of the season for any manager in the championship because they looked dead and buried at one point, didn't they? But now Gerhard Streber has managed to give Barnsley a realistic chance of staying up and he deserves credit for that alone. But if he actually makes them stay up, then my Lord, he has done bloody well, has he? No, I think we, I think we must, we must have said this in December when they, when they went on that little bit of a, a, a decent run um, mm. around Christmas time, we were saying, you know, if, if he was to keep him up, would he be manager of the season? Well, definitely argument for it probably wouldn't be but there's definitely argument for it and you know credit to him he has turned around that Barnsley side they're a good side and I really really want to see them in the championship next season I'll I'll, I'll lay out there because I like Struber as a manager he's got the best out of a side that was terrible they were terrible Um, and they they have got some very good players as well which which gives me hope that they will stay up I think they've got some real quality Mm, going forwards, definitely, they've got a lot of quality, haven't they? And they're an exciting side to watch. So I'd agree. I would like to see them in the championship next season. QPR, a bit of a strange performance from them. 60% possession. Only managed two shots on target. Had fewer shots than Barnsley in total. They really struggled to create anything substantial in the whole game, which is unlike them for a start. And then you've got to consider how shaky <clears throat> Barnsley are defensively. It's a very disappointing performance, really, from QPR, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, you know... As I, as I mentioned um, when we went on to this game, you know, QPR are a side that have been involved in 121 goals altogether this season. That's mm. scored and conceded. You'd never expect this game to finish 1-0. Um, but yeah, you know, they just lacked a little bit of something. Um, perhaps it's that mid-table slump that they know they might be a bit too far off the playoffs, but not in danger of getting relegated. So, well... We, we never know what QPR side's going to turn up. And unfortunately for them, it wasn't the good QPR side yesterday. We had them down as dark horses for the playoffs due to their kind run of games for the remainder yeah. of the season. But this result may have instantly dashed any hopes of that happening because this was one game that they had to win, wasn't it? Yeah, they obviously they were quite far off. And obviously, you know, on paper, you say it's quite a kind um, first game back, obviously, with Barnsley being in the bottom three. Um, but it doesn't play out like that in Championship, as we know. Um, but yeah, I like this aside that just like to, you know, I don't want to keep saying it, but if everybody was on uh, Eberichi's easy, easy's wavelength, then that QPR side would be unstoppable. But, I mean, he was unreal yesterday. Um, completely 10 triples. Mm, most in the season so far yes. for the Championship. Very impressive, but still struggles to create many chances. Yeah, exactly. Let's- Let's go to the John Smith Stadium, where Wigan carried on their pre-lockdown form with a 2-0 win over Huddersfield. We thought Wigan were a contender to go down because they were still very much amongst uh, the the teams near the relegation zone. Um, And we weren't sure whether their form would continue Mm -hmm. after lockdown. But here we are now. They're looking a hell of a lot safer already. Three points clear now. One loss in 10. 
And when you consider where they were, it's some turnaround from Paul Cook's side, isn't it? Result-wise, yes. Performances have been fairly, pretty much the same for for a while. Um, as we say, before lockdown, they started to pick up form uh, form wise, but performances were there. They just weren't getting enough out of individuals at times. But that started to happen. For example, yesterday, Jamal Lowe again was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. He was brilliant yesterday. Keith Moore um, again, really, really showing why they paid the money for him because he obviously set up Jamal Lowe's goal. Um, so yeah, a, a very good Wigan performance and they they looked good going forwards when they were going forwards. Um, I'm trying to get at is the fact that they didn't have as much possession as Huddersfield, but they, they kept Huddersfield out. Huddersfield were blunt and that's down to Wigan's organisation. Yeah, Jamal Lowe, as you mentioned, goal and assist. He was a massive threat down the left-hand side throughout mm-hmm. the whole game. So dangerous for Wigan. And when you consider how well he's played this season, which isn't very well, he really stood up and made himself counter in this Definitely. game. So well done to him. Anthony Pilkington's goal, filthy. <laughs> bit filthy, wasn't it? The little 360 pirouette. I mean, he scuffed his finish. <laughs> if he had a clean finish there, that would have been one of the goals of the season yeah. but because he scuffed it. It was still very tasty either way, wasn't it? He's got that ability, though. He's just... A bad injury record in poor form at times. Um, but he's a player I've always liked. He's got a very good left foot. Yeah, for Huddersfield, I'm still quite confident they will stay up, I've got to say. However, yeah. the table doesn't make for great reading at the moment. Mm. Just a point of Bubba and Hull. And this performance wasn't great either, as you mentioned. I mean, when you look at the team on paper, in terms of going forwards, it's a very exciting young side, isn't it? With the likes of Grant, Willock, Smith-Rowe. Uh, O'Brien mm-hmm. these are players who could easily be doing a job for teams much higher yeah. in the table but they had just one shot on target despite them having 70% possession mm-hmm. and they have got tougher games than Wigan at home coming up so yeah. I've got to say Danny Cowley has got his work cut out hasn't he no absolutely it's you know it leaves them it certainly leaves Huddersfield looking over their shoulder but we do say we did say last week that we think they've got enough to stay up but you, you honestly, you never know. You know, the, their form before the Cowboys came in was poor. The performances were poor. Um, you know, I, I gave them no hope earlier on in the season. Um, but I do think there are worse teams in them. Um, it's still, it's very hard to be confident in this side because they've, they've again, another side that just they haven't been able to string two, three wins together. Mm. Two or three wins gets you out of that situation. Yeah, well, Cowley's always been praised as this exciting young manager, but this is going to be a true test to see what he's made of. Let's head to the den where, ladies and gentlemen, a star was born. Derby 3, Millwall 2, 18-year-old Louis Sibley grabbing a hat-trick on only his second league start. Ridiculous. He scored an absolute rocket against Blackburn just before lockdown Mm -hmm. and then puts in one of the best individual performances of the season. The main question I've got to ask here is why the hell has he only just started playing? <laughs> because Darby, I, yeah. Darby have been lacking this creative spark all season. And this lad's just been sat in the reserves, not been <clears> given a look in. What a talent though. What a mm-hmm. talent. He's very similar for, for me to James Madison in terms of his balance, yeah. composure, but Derby have got a real star on their hands, haven't they? That was one of the individual performances I've seen this season. Maybe even the best, Justin. <laughs> yeah, it's for an eighteen-year-old to to play like he did was he was he was uh, fantastic um, yesterday. Certainly, uh, I think Wayne Rooney takes a lot of the pressure off the younger players that are in there at the moment because again, Max Bird. Um, was absolutely superb yesterday. He was he was brilliant. Sibley, fantastic. Um, Bogle, who's been doing it for a while, he was also great. Um, but I think having that presence takes the pressure off the younger players to perform because all the eyes are on Wayne Rooney. They always will be. Um, so it gives them, younger players, a platform to play. And Sibley, as you say, fantastic. It's actually a good comparison to Madison because I know Derby fans have likened him to Will Hughes a hell of a lot, but he's nothing like Will Hughes. Absolutely. It's literally because he's blonde. Yeah. (laughs) Blonde and and left footed, yeah. He's blonde, left footed, and he's come through Derby's Academy. There we go. Next Will Hughes. Even though he plays nothing like Will Hughes. No. He's he's, he's James James Madison, kind of like a Jack Grealish as well, is another comparison, which is quite fair. But his first goal was absolutely tremendous, wasn't it? Millwall up one of the best defences in this league. And this 18 year old lad who's just danced through them like they weren't there. And then 
smashed it into the top bin. Yeah, I, 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 it was a great goal. It wasn't helped by, I think Millwall were a bit flat-footed. I don't think that helped. And I also think that the fact that there was no fans at the den, I think that played into it a bit because it, surely it's an intimidating place for an 18-year-old to go and play. You'd argue it would be, yeah. but in this case, it wasn't. And you, you, Maybe you, it yeah. was a benefit, but look, talking about Sibley, how impressed were you with him yesterday? No, he was brilliant. He was a perfect number 10. Um, he drifted in between the midfield and the defence. As I say, I think Millwall left them a lot of space. Don't know whether it's because they thought he was 18, a bit of a, an unknown. Not really sure what he's going to play like. Um, but he, he played like an experienced playmaker, very mature performance, and obviously to grab a hat-trick. He's not a striker. you know. He's not a winger. He's, a, he's, a, he's an attacking midfielder. And he, and he does an experienced Millwall defence. Sean Hutchinson's been one of the best centre-halves this season in the league. Jake Cooper as well. And he made them look very, very average. He did. He did. And Derby fans, they're going to have to enjoy him while they can because based on performances that he's put in so far, I'm not sure how long he's going to be hanging around because mm. he is... He looked unbelievable yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a big win for Derby. And with a lot of the other playoff chasers dropping points, they're now just three points off the top six. On Boxing Day, they were 18th. Yeah. 12 <laughs> points off the playoffs. It is a remarkable turnaround from Philip Cocu's side. And he's still yet to completely win over all the Derby fans, isn't he? Bizarre, but bizarre. He deserves a lot of credit for the job that oh. he's done over the past few months, doesn't he? No other Derby manager over that since probably, I don't know, Going back to like 2005 when we almost went out of business, no other Derby fans had a uh, Derby managers had a harder hand than Philip Koku. It's a fair shout. It probably is a fair shout because he has been dealt with a tough hands, but he's instead he's done what Grant McCann should be doing really, and given the young players a chance. Yeah, and it's paying off for him, isn't it? They've still Derby have still got an unbelievably tough run of games left. Five of the top six left to play. It, they might not make the playoffs this season, but it would still be a great sign of progress. And Philip Koku deserves a lot of credit for it, doesn't he? Absolutely. Let's go to Millwall then, because how do you look at this game from their perspective? Because it's one they needed to win against a playoff rival. <clears throat> but what can you do when this wonder kid, who is fairly <laughs> unknown, as you mentioned, just comes out of nowhere and ultimately wins the game on his own? You smash him into the stands. That's what you do. <laughs> I think that's what Millwall tried to do, but just couldn't get near him because he was so good. But there were positives there, weren't there, for Millwall? They looked dangerous in the air, as usual, um, and created quite a few chances as well. They did. I just, I did. I thought I expected a little bit more from Millwall. I don't think they were as good on the counter attack as they should be. I thought Jed Wallace was mm. surprisingly below par. Well, this um, is something I wanted to raise because Jed Wallace was very quiet in this game. And he's not contributed to a goal now since January. That obviously sounds a lot worse than it is because the season's been postponed Whoa, for three months. months. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nine games now yeah. where he's not had much of an impact. And he was so influential earlier on in the season. Seems to be fading a bit now. And it has kind of coincided with Millwall's form not being as good. Well, you know, you say that, but Millwall haven't been that bad. Um, I don't think they're a one-man team as that sort of statistic um, shows them to be. As I say, they've got um, players in there that that can create. Um, Ryan Leonard, for example, yesterday had a great chance uh, one-on-one against Ben Hamer um, and he didn't take it. They're they're a good side Millwall and they're not just a one-man team. Um, They just, as I say, I don't think they created enough uh, clear-cut chances and when they did they didn't take them um, and then and defensively I thought they were quite flat foot at times you know they allowed Derby to score three easy goals I'm not saying Millwall are a one-man team but Jed Wallace failed to contribute to a goal since January and in that time they've only won two league games well he's the, he is so, their talisman you do look to your talisman to, to get you out of it but exactly there but are other like players they might be there. relying on him a bit too much is what I'm saying Right, let's carry on with the playoff race. And this was a big game in the playoff race as well because Blackburn picked up a massive win after beating Bristol City 3-1. First of all, this was the only home win in the championship on Saturday. Something to keep an eye on. Secondly, there was some very questionable goalkeeping in this game. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It was good point, Christian Walton could have done better for Jamie Patterson's yeah. goal. Dan Bentley had an absolute mare yeah, throughout this game. He, did. he was definitely at fault for two of the goals. 
And he was very lucky to have not cost Bristol City another two. Uh, there was one moment in particular where Ben Brereton managed to nick the ball away from him. Oh, and yeah. an open goal. No one near him <clears throat> slipped over right into his arse. Brilliant I, stuff. Love seeing I that. Thought, I felt for Brereton then because he's not scored since August, I think. Mm, um, he has had a tough season, but that was still very funny. Uh, Dan Bentley, though, very solid in the first half of the season. There's been a shadow of the keeper he was in recent months, though, and now there are calls for Nicky Mayampa to be brought back into the team. Hard to disagree with it after a performance like that because you won't see many goalkeepers have a worse game than that this season. No, it's, I find it very difficult to drop goalkeepers. I, can, you, can you ever really trust your second choice to be better than your first choice? And after you paid a fair bit of money for him, you expect them to do better, so you've got to sort of give them a chance a little bit. There's an argument for it, but considering how bad Bentley's been recently, it's clear that his confidence is very low. And maybe it's just wise to give someone like my Ampa, who is yeah. a solid pair of hands himself, just give him the gloves for a bit. Uh, but Bristol Fit City fans, far from happy with this result, understandably. Uh, lucky for them, Preston dropped points at Luton. That means it's still in two points off top six. Yeah. But Lee, Lee Johnson's got to ring the changes, hasn't he? Because he picked an interesting start in, start in 11 to begin with. A Phoebe, Wells, De Silva, Palmer, Hunt and my Ampa, all on the bench. Bit weird that their substitutes bench was stronger than their starting 11. I mean, <laughs> it's it's hard to judge um, what team Johnson will put out. Um, I think Tommy Rowe was the biggest surprise ahead of De Silva. But then again, Tommy Rowe set up the goal. Um, so not necessarily, but it was a terrible performance from Bristol City, in my opinion. Yeah, um, they managed one shot on target. And it was a shot that Walton should have saved. Um, they, you know, they scored via a player who was left... Uh, let out on loan at the beginning of the season and he only came back because Derby didn't want him or, you know, as harsh as it sounds he didn't want him and the worst thing is he's probably been Bristol City's best player since the turn of the year mm. they've been fairly unconvincing haven't they no, Bristol that, City definitely, definitely. well recent months sorry um, so want to keep an eye on if, if Lee Johnson needs to change something doesn't he to mm-hmm. maintain Bristol City's playoff push but Blackburn they stuttered a bit before lockdown Looked as if they were fading a bit. Now, they were a bit lucky with Dan Bentley completely imploding. <laughs> but this is a massive result for them. Yeah. Adam Armstrong looked very lively when he came on. That finish for the third goal was superb, wasn't it? It was typical Adam Armstrong. Yeah, typical of his form. Uh, they were one of the big winners in the playoff race yesterday. Just yeah. a point off the top six now. Wigan and Barnsley up next. So they've got a lovely little chance to build a bit of momentum in, over the next couple of weeks. I think I'd rather play teams like um, Millwall or just teams that you're fighting against because the, the um, who do you say Barnsley and Charlton Barnsley and Wigan Barnsley and Wigan two teams that are fighting against relegation they should be fighting for everything to stay in the league I'd hate that at this stage of the season it's not the most soundest of runs considering their results <laughs> this past weekend yeah. but still Blackburn fans won't say no to it, will they? Uh, Preston missed the chance to win after conceding a late equaliser to Luton. Very disappointing for Preston in a game they needed to win, especially considering how results around them have gone. Um, beautifully taken goal, though, from Scott Sinclair. I feel that like was... they'll be relying on him a bit for more <laughs> goals like this in the next few games. They seem to rely on players that aren't their strikers. <laughs> Barkhausen, yeah. uh, Daniel Johnson, uh, Scott Sinclair, etc. You know, the players that they should be relying on, like Sean Maguire or Jaden Stockley, I know Louis Mops injured. They don't they don't tend to score as many as their wide players, but um this was a v- it was a very good finish from Scott Sinclair and he's almost being back in 2011 with that yeah. finish. Classic Scott Sinclair. Uh, they'd have had a two-point cushion in the playoffs, Preston, if they won this game. But now a win against Cardiff next week looks to be crucial, doesn't it? That's, that's going to be a cracking game, you know. There yeah. are some cracking games next week. There really are. Yeah. So many teams playing teams right next to him. It's going to be great to watch as always in the championship. Uh, Nathan Jones getting a point back on his first game. Perhaps a bit lucky because Luton didn't really create anything throughout the whole match. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's, you need that bit of luck, don't you, when you're down at the bottom and it's a good result, really, for Luton. If you, when you consider that... Um, uh, Hull loss, Borough loss. You know, Luton. They could, they could drag them in it. And obviously, they haven't drawn many games. They had, they've only drawn five games um, before yesterday, so six altogether this season. Um, 
you know, might be a bit of a weak spot mentally. So they, they managed to stay in the game, didn't give too much away. And obviously we're, we're bailed out by a very good Callum, Callum McManaman goal. It was a very good goal, but this performance does not inspire me much because Luton were fairly average. They were just looking at that Preston hadn't put them away earlier, really. Uh, another uninspiring performance was from Forrest, who conceded a 93rd-minute uh, equaliser from Connor Wickham to draw one all with Sheffield Wednesday. Now, Forrest will be disappointed not to have held on to all three points, but some of the chances that Wednesday had, really... It should be them who will be disappointed to have not got more from this game. I mean, that's been Wednesday's problem a fair bit is they've created a lot of chances at times and they just haven't taken them. Um, mm. they, they, they've relied on Stephen Fletcher a bit too much. Um, they need other players to contribute. You know, Everyone's been out of form for a while now. Um, so yeah, they, they need to, they need to just take, take chances. It, I mean, it's as simple as that. They take chances, yeah. they won't be in the situation they're in. Well, Wednesday have only got one win in 11 league games. But judging from this game, they played a lot better. And there are signs that they might have turned that corner. It was also good to see Connor Wickham on the score sheet as well, mm. because he's had a tough few years, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, Forrest looked like they were sorely missing the experience of Ben Watson and Sam Basau, who have been their two main holding midfielders all season. Instead, they had Ryan Yates and Brennan Johnson, two young lads playing there instead. And they looked pretty exposed as a result because, as I mentioned, Wednesday had quite a few chances in this game. Um, but Forest have got a four-point cushion in the playoffs. They should stay there. Uh, they'll be fine. Should. One win, in, one win in seven, Justin. No, they're, 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 I think they're too good defensively to drop out. They don't concede many. I know they conceded a fair few chances, but as you say, they've still got players to come in in Watson and, and, and Sam Basal that, that are going to shore up the midfield. You say Yates and Neil Johnson were exposed, but they weren't. They weren't bad. Um, they came up came up against Barry Bannon, who's one of the best um, composers in the league, if you will. Um, you know, it was, it was a it was a difficult shake. Obviously, um, Garment went three five two as well. So, there's two ex- two relatively inexperienced players to have to try and deal with that. I imagine would, would have been you know, fairly difficult. But all I'm saying is, watch this space. Just watch it. One in seven. Finally, Reading won, Stoke won. Nick Powell grabbing a 92nd minute equaliser. Considering this was the game with the least on the on the line in terms of uh, the outcome, it was actually quite good in parts. Woodwork <laughs> was hit a couple of times, yeah. some good saves, a late goal. The main thing to take away, though, is that Stoke are a point closer to ensuring safety. There are only two points in it between them and the bottom three, but I'm standing by what I said last week that I'm fairly sure they'll be all right because they're much better than Middlesbrough and Hull, aren't they? No, absolutely. And, you know, O'Neill, they've, they've been in a, a fairly deep, they had a decent run of form under O'Neill just before lockdown. Nick Powell's been in good form under O'Neill. O'Neill looks to be getting the best out of him, which is, which is good news for Stoke because on, on his day, Nick Powell's a very, very good player at championship level. Very good um, And all, all they need to do is make sure there's, there's points between them and the relegation zone. Um, that's that's all they need to do because it's been very poor all season. Um, so yeah, it, it is a fairly good result considering teams behind and lost. Well, considering they were losing until the very last uh, gasp is that, definitely that also, positive from the Stoke side. Positive, yeah. yeah, one to keep an eye on is someone we spoke about before, Justin Nathan Collins, highly highly thought of young defender at Stoke. He started this mm-hmm. game, albeit at right back, even though he's meant to be a centre-back. But hopefully the sooner Stoke managed to secure their place in the championship for next season, the sooner he'll get more game time. So one to keep an eye on there. Mm-hmm. Also, Ryan Shawcross getting a game. Hands up if you forgot he existed. Uh, his yeah, first game is... at the start of the season. So. Yeah, well, his first game since December and only his fourth of the season. So, uh, good to see him back. Uh, speaking of people back from injury, Lucas Xiao oh. played his first game since New Year's Day, but then went off injured again yeah. after seemingly knackering his hamstring. The guy you, you know Reading. what? Reading of such a good forward line, if they can get him fit and firing, because Puskas has been in and out of injury, Zhao has been in and out of injury, or pretty much out of injury. Um, they've relied on um, Mete a lot. Um, Baldock is... Sam Baldock, you know, he's inconsistent, consistent. If they get them firing, if they fit first and then firing, they've got a very good forward line. Well, that's it. A lot of Reading fans have been saying 
this is the first time we've had both our main strikers fit <laughs> and it's lasted a matter of minutes. Right, let's move on to the news, Justin. A technical issue meant some fans from <laughs> championship clubs missed the start of their club's games this weekend. The EFL said the iFollow service was restored within 15 minutes and they apologised to fans for the inconvenience caused. The issue was a result of an overload on servers. Of course it would be an overload on servers. What were they expecting? I know, honestly, honestly, I don't work in IT, but you're going to expect more people to be accessing because guess what? No one's allowed in the grounds. (laughs) Oh my God. When you put it like that, it's fairly obvious, really, isn't it? The playoff final is going to be held on the 4th of August at Wembley. The semi-finals will be just over a month's time. It's quite weird to think of, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, that, that means this, this season's lasted a whole year. Mm, that, that's a good point as well. But the fact that yeah. the playoff semi-finals are literally a, a month away is that, weird. That might play into hands of That might play into the hands of some teams, to be fair. If you've got a bigger squad, I imagine it will do. Because... Well, it's not, it's not even that, but you take... Um, I, I think the gap between the playoff final and the semi-final is normally about 10 or 12 days, almost two weeks. It's mm. a big gap. It's a big gap. Um, it is a big it gap. It almost but... takes momentum out of you. Yeah, I think you've got five days between the semi-finals ending and the actual finals. So it'll be interesting like to see that. how teams recover from that. Uh, well, yeah. stick and fast. Yeah. Uh, Forest manager Sabri Lamushi has been given a new contract. Interesting timing, considering they're on that worst run of the season, but <laughs> I'll let them off. Uh, the latest on the search for Birmingham's new manager, Justin. Nigel Clough has held preliminary talks with the club, according to Sky Sports. They're also reporting Lee Bowyer is a candidate. Nigel Clough, you having that? It's a good, um, a fairly good move, but he turned down Forrest because he wasn't keen on Fawaz working with Fawaz. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he'd want to work with um, the Birmingham boards, given how, I wouldn't say poorly run they are, but along those lines. They do have a tendency to fall out with the managers, yeah. don't they? Um, but Nigel Clough, that's a, a very unremarkable appointment, if that was. No, I've that, got to say. That, that wouldn't be a bad appointment for Birmingham. If you want to stay in the championship for the next oh, no, six think... years or so, then appoint Nigel Clough. But if you want better, then Lee Bowyer is the kind of manager you should be looking at. I don't think you're giving him enough credit. I am giving him enough credit. I'm giving him too much credit, really. Uh, the Daily Mail says Cardiff City chairman Mehmet Darman has revealed that many championship clubs will be happy to sell their teams for one pound. He says clubs are struggling with their finances due to the coronavirus crisis and believes it will only get worse for English football's second tier. Do you fancy chipping in 50p both by a championship club? You buy, buy, buy a squad for our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, fancy it? 50p each? Uh, I, yeah, I'm just still trying to get over <laughs> this guy comes out with some wild things. Who, who, who would you uh, who would you buy if you were a uh, chairman? What, if you what had a squad? pound, if you had a pound, which club would you buy? <laughs> if I had a pound, <laughs> <laughs> what, what club would I buy? It's not clubs, is it? It's squads. What what squad would I buy? I don't know. I'd fancy someone like Middlesbrough. I think. Is the, to, to just take back to the good old days. Is the whole is the whole one worth a pound at the moment? Uh, well, I'm I'm thinking more of a kind of you take this club from where they are now and then build them back up and become a hero in that part of the country. Does that sound alright? Oh, it sounds like a football manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of is really, isn't it? Uh, let's move on. Transfer news, Justin. Matthias Pereira is set to complete a permanent move to West Brom. He's been on loan from Sporting Lisbon, and because he made his 30th appearance against Birmingham, that means he's now set to sign for £9 million. £9 million. That's a bargain. It is a bargain, isn't That's it? a bargain. And finally, EastEnders has now run out of episodes after filming was stopped because of the coronavirus. They're expected to start making them again at the end of the month. You much of an EastEnders fan? Uh, surprising, no. Um, no. I didn't even know it was still on to be honest. I honestly, I had no idea. You were ever really watched it? No. No? Fair no. enough. I used to watch it ages ago, but I'm really not that bothered about it now. I don't recognise half the characters in it. I know Phil Mitchell. Everyone knows Phil Mitchell. Everyone knows and Phil Mitchell. Yeah. Ian Beale. He's still knocking about, but apart from Nothing that, I don't. 
<laughs> well, apart from that, I don't recognise half the people on the set anymore. Right, let's do some polls, Justin. At the start of the show, we asked you three questions, and they're three interesting ones. First off, can Brentford and Fulham catch Leeds and West Brom? What are you saying, Justin? Yes or no? No. 49% said no. Ooh. Close, really close. close. 51% said yes. Now, this is an interesting one. Who is in a bigger state, Hull or Middlesbrough? Oh, I think Hull are. 78% said Hull, Mm -hmm. but I I think it's much closer than that, really. And finally, how do you like your eggs cooked? Boiled, fried, poached or scrambled? Poached. I only ever have poached eggs, you know. I have started having poached more recently because I know it's healthier for you. But I'm always, I always prefer scrambled for me. I love a good scrambled egg. I, I feel like, sorry, scrambled eggs very underwhelming. It depends what you put in it. If you whack in a load of salt, a bit of pepper, superb. But uh, 70, uh, 38%, sorry, said scrambled. 34% said fried. 23% poached. 25% said boiled. Poor boiled. Um, boiled eggs good for a salad. That's about it, really. Mm. But poached egg. Poached eggs, I think, been done in there. If it's if it's cooked well, it's poached eggs are beautiful. But oh, it can go horrible. Yeah. Oh, it can go horribly wrong, and it usually does when I make them. Right, let's do the Craig Bryson pub quiz. This is the part of the show where Justin has a <clears throat> mystery championship footballer for me, who has made over two hundred championship appearances and will have played in the championship relatively recently. He's going to give me six clues. What I've got to guess is who that bugger is. Right, give me the first clue, please, Justin. Uh, I, I made 400 appearances, scoring 114 goals. 400 appearances. How many goals? 114. Now, it's not Luke Chambers. That, no, Luke Chambers would have done very well to score 119 goals from centre-back. Chris Martin? No. Not a bad chance. Thank you. Next clue, please. I made my debut in 1994. Oh my God. For Barnet before finishing my career at Southend United in 2010. In between then, I played for four different clubs, including Leeds United, Crystal Palace, Wolves, and Forest. Freddie Eastwood? No. No. That's poor. The, club, the, club, the clubs match up? Uh, Southend and Wolves. Southend, Wolves, Palace. Played for Palace as well, didn't he? I don't know if he did. I Coventry, think he did. Anyway, Coventry next one. Um, I had two spells in the Premier League for Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace. Freddie Eastwood's definitely not played in the Premier League. <laughs> uh, Palace, <laughs> Palace and Forest. Ooh, now you're asking. Uh, I'm going to move on, please, Justin. I was appointed reserve team manager at Crystal Palace in 2005 while still, pe- while still playing. This came to an end when I joined Leeds United on loan. Say that again, please. He, was reser- he got appointed reserve team manager in 2005 while he was still playing. So his player, reserve team manager. Okay. Um, his spell as reserve team manager came to an end when he joined Leeds United on loan. I've got to say, this guy has clearly hasn't played very recently. We're going back a bit here, Justin. No. Well, if he was appointed manager in 2005... While still playing. While still he playing. He then played for another five years. <sighs> Finished his career at Southend in 2010. I think you'll kick yourself when... when how many clues have I got left? Two? Yeah. I know. Next one, please. After retiring in 2010, I rejoined Crystal Palace as manager in 2011, guarding them out of the relegation zone in my first season. Is it um, Dougie Friedman? It is Dougie Friedman. Thank God for that. It is Dougie I think, Friedman. Is he really scored? Has he scored that many goals at championship yeah. level? He was wow. a fairly competent striker at championship level. Fair play to him. Yeah. Fair play. And what was the last clue? I was appointed Bolton manager after a good start to the 2011-2012 to the season, the season Palace were promoted. Since then, I have had a stint at Forest as manager and I'm now yeah. sporting director at Crystal Palace. I, I remember Palace. him I remember him much more for his managerial career because he, he's actually a half-decent manager, really, isn't he? He did very well at Palace. Yeah, I think he was lucky at Forest because Forest, yeah. Forest at that point, he had a transfer embargo and whatnot. And then Bolton were just an absolute state, weren't they? <laughs> well, he took he took them over when they were. They I think they still had Craig Dawson, David Witt. You know, David Witt has been there for years. I mean. Yeah, um, but they had a fairly decent squad. Um, but I, you know, Dougie Friedman for me is one of those strikers that I always think of when I think mid noughties championship striker. Yeah, 
Very good striker at championship level. Well done. Well done to Dougie Friedman. Right. This has been the second tier podcast. Before we end, we've got to announce the winner of our competition. So Ooh. last week, we were giving away £50 for someone to spend at classicfootballshirts.co.uk. Hundreds of you retweeted and entered on Twitter. And now we can announce that the winner is at Toots NFFC. At Toots NFFC. That's Thomas Tootin. So well done to Thomas. We will be getting a DM from us shortly. You probably have already got it before you even listen to the podcast, but there you go. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll uh, give you... If he listens. Of course he listens. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll give you the details for getting your hands on that £50 to spend on classicfootballshirts.co.uk. Hopefully we'll have some more competitions coming up for you soon. So keep an eye out on our Twitter for more. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. Football is back, ladies and gentlemen. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Let's do all right.